Quest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. This episode was produced by Cappy Productions. Have you been looking for new music to scratch that itch? I highly recommend After Dark. Their style is very smooth, 90s type music, and I hella recommend, I hella recommend checking them out. So, um, today's show is brought to you by them. So if you want to be supportive, just go click their Spotify, check them out. The song Colors is fantastic. Same with Breakaway. And I mean, really, their whole repertoire is pretty good pretty good so sorry so i highly recommend that you check them out hello and welcome back to the conquest of bliss i am here with the lovely sean j stevens of hearkening deer podcast and we're just gonna see where the conversation takes us because we both have a passion for happiness and serenity and and just love for for mankind and and our fellow man and all that good stuff and fellow woman um (laughs) so how are you today sean i am doing very well thank you how are you i am pretty fantastic i am always elated to talk to people that i respect and care about and you in particular are very special um in the sense that we know each other from an entirely different life and and it's really really strange because we reconnected over podcasting which is super super interesting because if we didn't podcast, who knows if we'd ever have talked to each other again. Yeah. And I always think that's so cool. Yeah, it really is. So, it's amazing how, you, you know, how you get reintroduced to people in your life. You know, you can lose touch for a long time and then, you know, all of a sudden they're back in your life. It's a really exciting thing. Yeah, it's, 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 really, it's really cool, especially considering at the time that we knew each other previously through an ex of mine, um, it, like... It, it could not have been predicted yeah. that we would be podcasting about happiness years and years later. Right. Um, so I think that that's really cool. So mm-hmm. um, your your podcast, Hearkening Deer, um, we'll talk more about it after, but can you just kind of let people know a little bit about it now and uh, what, not only what it is, but sort of what led you there? Okay, so Hearkening Deer is a podcast of Christian meditation. It's uh, contemplative spirituality through Christ-leaning meditations. So, and basically why I started it is because I was getting into meditation myself and I come from a Christian background and simply put, I couldn't really find what I was looking for, so I created it. Uh, Meditation is not necessarily something that's super prevalent in the evangelical church. It's not something that we typically would practice Mm -hmm. in a congregational setting. And so I sought to find, uh, yeah, a practice of meditation that I could make accessible to people who are comfortable with uh, Christian metaphors. That's that's super cool, and I have a, I have a few follow up questions because I'm just so interested. Um, first, though, uh, I meant to ask, or I've asked you before, and then we just never got to the answer. Where did the name come from? Because it's such an interesting name. Okay, so hearken, like hearkening, basically just means to listen. So, to, like to hark just means to listen, and then the deer is in reference to. It's one of the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And so to me, the, the, uh, the message or the 
yeah, the point of the name really is what it symbolizes is just to constantly be listening for the voice of the divine. That's very interesting. And um, so, you know, what's interesting is that I always thought hearkening meant to like beckon, um, not to listen. So that's interesting. Um, I don't know why. I, I just just now learned something, which is always fun. Um, and so a follow-up question that I have is, I guess, like one thing that I find really, really admirable about you and interacting with you as we've interacted a lot in the last little while is that while you are very much a man of faith, you have come to a place where you're not, you know, um, aggressively converting people. And I really appreciate that. Um, and, and so do you want to touch a little bit on, on what the process of, of coming to peace looked like? Did that involve meditation? You know, the peace mm. with other people's, you know, beliefs and choices that are, that are different than your own. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be entirely honest with you, even from just a pragmatic point of view, like even if like your whole goal is to just convert everybody into your religion, even from a pragmatic point of view, people aren't really into having uh, someone else's opinions <laughs> shoved down their throat, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, having said all that, I, I really have come to a place in my life where my faith just looks so much different than what it did in my upbringing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to me, so much of what I was taught just growing up in the evangelical church, honestly, it feels more, it feels more sometimes like colonialism, it feels more like racism at times than it does preaching good news. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I've kind of come to a place where, and continue, I'm not saying I've like arrived at some place or whatever, <laughs> but I, I'm continuing to journey through just kind of deconstruction in terms of uh, disassembling that which is not helpful, that which is not love, that which is not good news. And to me, the story of Yeshua, the story of the Bible, Yeshua, sorry, Yeshua, Jesus, <laughs> is uh, to me that that story is a story of love. It is a story of restoration. It is a story of redemption. And it is, it is that story above all else in my, in my understanding. And anytime your faith starts looking like or else say for myself, anytime my faith starts looking like I'm trying to convince people of something or that I'm looking negatively on other people for not having the same opinions as me, mm -hmm. to me that that is not Yeshua, that is not Christ. That is very, very well worded. And I would say that it lines up to my sort of, I mean, I have such complicated beliefs, but I, I agree very much that, you know, um, it's it's deeply personal. And assuming that there's a God, and I believe that there is, um, I think that he is more than powerful enough to touch people's hearts without without aggression. Yes. Um, so I think that that's, uh, that's a really beautiful sentiment. And I'm glad that you shared that with me today. Um, I wanted to, uh, I also wanted to like sort of follow up a little bit about um, what what sort of led you sort of uh, 
back to the faith. I don't know if you were ever uh, not a Christian, but I know that your lifestyle didn't always um, involve meditation and right. and and the like. So, do you want to talk a yeah. little bit about about what led you there? Okay, so yeah, that's a that's a big question. That's a really <laughs> big question. So, I have pretty much identified Christian my entire life. I've had moments in my life where I'm really, really angry with God. I've had probably stints of my life where I've been like an atheist for 15 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was raised in a pretty conservative brand of what I would identify as a pretty conservative brand of Christianity. I was raised in kind of a brand of Christianity where you know, homosexuality was not really welcome and, and you know, not to like lump all LGBTQ issues altogether, but basically across the board, none of that was welcome. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, in my opinion, a really judgmental and dare I say even hateful kind of faith. And, you know, but I was, I was raised in it and I subscribed to it and I... You know, in saying all that, there were wonderful, beautiful, incredible things about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I continued uh, identifying as a Christian, but no, kind of stopped at some point living <laughs> like a Christian, even in terms of um, the Christianity that I was raised into. Mm -hmm. And I kind of you know, came to a point where I was, I was playing in a bunch of different bands and I was going to the, to the not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, just the nature of the bands that I was playing in. We were, <laughs> we were drinking all the time. We were playing in pubs all the time. And I kind of came to a point where I didn't really even like know my wife and kids because I was never there. And I made a lot of really horrible mistakes and um, our marriage like completely fell apart and my faith completely fell apart and my whole life completely fell apart. And so um, basically what was reborn out of that was just something that, that was reborn out of the ashes of just burning it all down. Mm -hmm. Like a phoenix. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a phoenix. And to me, like my story, I, I've been sober for, um, going on nine years now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, and what is incredible to me about it, thank you, uh, what is incredible <laughs> to me about it is I have a really addictive personality mm -hmm. and I was drinking all the time and I just, when everything went down, when, yeah, when, when it all came crashing down on us, I quit drinking cold turkey and I can't explain it. And uh, I know I'm going to be accused of being like a mystical woo-woo for saying this, but <laughs> it was not me. Like it wasn't me. Like something happened that just completely changed my life. And where I'm standing from right now, it sure feels like it changed my life forever. Mm -hmm. And what was born out of that was a much more contemplative, a much more peaceful, much more loving and accepting 
embrace of the divine than what I had before. That that is incredible, and yeah, I wasn't gonna like call you out, but yeah, I was referring to like the drinking and stuff, because uh, <laughs> that's when I knew you that that moment in time, and and that's one of the things that's so incredible about us reconnecting was at the time I was drinking a lot, and you know I'd just gotten clean off of crack and cocaine, and so I you know was <laughs> I was managing that by drinking, which was of course not efficient, um, right. <laughs> and. Uh, and that's what makes it such a such a trip, you know, is that we knew each other in this time that was, let's say, not um, not necessarily healthy. Right. You and know, it was, for, it was very maladaptive. Yeah, and and so it's cool that you know we kind of went our separate ways. Me and my ex broke up. I mean, the other cool thing is that we only dated for like three months. You know, yeah. and and so it's it's uh, life is so cool. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> to follow up a little bit about um, about what you were saying is, I definitely relate to where it just seems like there is some ethereal thing that just touches you, changes you, and suddenly you see the world differently. Suddenly, yeah. it's like your eyes are open, and you suddenly realize things and stuff like that. But my experience with those is that even though it makes a significant change, we still have a level of uh, growing to do. Mm. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, And, you know, because, because as much as it can change our hearts and and change our decision-making, we're still dealing with, you know, the, the science of it all, the the right. coping mechanisms and all the other yeah. stuff that's been built up over, you know, in, in both of our cases, I think decades that, mm-hmm. that these things are built up. And so what, I guess what I'm asking is like, was there anything that came before meditation as far as tools that led you to a life of love and peace? Hmm. Oh, good question. That, that's a really good question. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to put my finger on any specific tools, but to be honest, just the, like the, what I refer to as the miraculous healing of my addictions was just, was definitely opening the gate for, for learning those tools. I would definitely say that it's kind of been a journey since then in terms of like rebuilding uh, my faith and I I started the process of rebuilding my faith without meditation without you know and without contemplative spirituality what I would define as contemplative spirituality um, and as I grew, grew deeper in for lack of a better term as I grew deeper in just an understanding of the divine, a wanting, a wanting to know the divine more. Mm-hmm. I kind of realized that I had spent all my life talking at God and not very much time listening to God. That and, is incredible. Sorry, go ahead. I don't need to yeah, cut you off. I'm just- no, no, no. So one of the things that kind of the bridge there for me was contemplative prayer. I got really into into just listening prayer, you know? And from that, I kind of just grew my practice to what I would 
now call meditation. So oh, I have so many questions for you. It's oh, this is such fun for me. Um, so this question, I'm sorry if it's like not your fave, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I'm cool. Um, so I know, like, like I said earlier, for me, my, my faith is very complicated. And I know that that's true of a lot of people. And I know that a lot of people, especially because of the things that you were mentioning earlier about common evangelical culture here in Canada, as well as in the States, mm. um, a lot of people really, really struggle with identifying as Christian, even if their mm. beliefs are similar to that of Christianity or founded on Christianity. And <clears throat> so I guess my question would be, like, I know that you're very accepting and open um, to mm-hmm. people of other faiths and 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 understand you know trying to understand where they stand and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but my question would be like when someone say it was someone like me, you know, um, say they use a different name for God. You know, you you use mm. the word divine a lot. I maybe say the universe, right? Mm-hmm. I, I often will say the universe, and and really in my head. And I and I feel weird admitting this because I do struggle a lot with the label of Christian, um, but in my head I am usually referring to the God of Abraham, um, mm. like that is that's how I was raised and and that's where, that's 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 the framework for all of my beliefs tend to root from there. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you interact with that idea? Do you feel that that's valid or do you do you think because a lot of people get really caught up in in words and labels, which is always so interesting to me because they're different than they were originally because it's different languages. But, right. uh, but yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder kind of what you think of the idea that God is bigger than a name. Yeah. Well, that's, I love that. Um, I'll try not to plug my work too much in this because this is something that I'm like really actually on fire about throughout the history of the the Christian and Hebrew tradition, there have been many, many names for God within those traditions. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I find super interesting and just one of the things that helps me to ask the questions I feel prompted to ask is, you know, at some point in time, we took all these names for God, some of which stand for compassion, some of which stand for mercy, some of which stand for healing, some of which stand for peace. We've taken all these names of God, and in the English Christian Bible anyway, have taken all those names and reduced them to the words Lord and God. Mm-hmm. And that is why, for me personally, I try to change up my language sometimes. Like like you said, uh, you'll hear me refer to God as the divine at times. You'll hear me refer to God as Yahweh at times. And I believe that that God, the divine, the universe, whatever you want to call him, her, them, it is so much bigger, so much more of a mystery, so much more compelling than the God that is defined by any given religion. Mm-hmm. That's a really great answer. And and it's so interesting to me because like when, and and I'm, again, I was raised in the evangelical church as well. And one of the things that I think is a real holdup for people, you know, one of the reasons that nobody seems to want to get along is the insistence on using words like God and Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, both of those words, well, or names, 
while they are reflective of what I think is an element of it, of God, of mm -hmm. the divine, um, I think that it's very reductive. It's a role mm -hmm. as only an authority figure and not as one of love, yes. right? And I, and I find that really interesting. Um, so the next question I have is is sort of related is when you began this journey, I know that when I've spoken with a lot of Christian people um, who are active in the church, there's been a lot of pushback against ideas like meditation, um, yoga, basically anything spiritual that didn't come from the Middle East. Um, and and I would ask, did you get a lot of pushback and, and how did you handle it if you did? I have been super fortunate in that I have found myself a community of people that feel quite similarly on the topic. Um, I know we still will have uh, differences in theology at times, but that and doctrine, but you know, that's, that's to be expected. I, I think um, I will definitely say that um, I did get some pushback from kind of like, um, m my old school <laughs> kind <laughs> of community. Yeah. Um, I, I did get some pushback there and I know there are people that, um, you know, you know, from the church I was raised in and, and whatnot, I know there are people that don't agree with what I'm doing now, but, um, for the most part, nobody really challenges it or pushes back on it. And I, I think I've just been fortunate in that because I'm a pretty sensitive person. So, <laughs> so I think it, in that sense, I've, I've been fortunate to, to avoid most of that. I, I do, it is, it's really interesting because um, on, on my podcast, when I do get the odd bit of pushback and it's very rare but when I do get the odd bit of pushback um, it usually comes in one of two forms and it's that A, my podcast is not Christian enough or B, my podcast is too Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That's always so, the way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, when I get stuff like that I feel like, oh, maybe I'm doing something right. <laughs> Yeah, the best spot to be is where you're pleasing no one. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's fantastic, and I'm really, really happy to hear that you you haven't been getting as much pushback. Um, from my observation, lately, uh, especially in the last year or so, it's been really interesting, and I, I wonder if the pandemic um, comes into it or not. I don't really know. But one of the things that I've noticed, and I wonder if you see a similar trend, is that it feels like finally... Christianity mm -hmm. as a concept, Christian communities are starting to open up. Um, yeah. We're seeing a lot more progressive churches. We're seeing a lot more churches that are open to the idea that God loved the whole world and not just a tiny corner of it. You mm. know, uh, <laughs> we're, we're seeing we're seeing a lot more openness to, like I said, the the words that people choose to use mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think, regardless of what it's labeled of as labeled as. <laughs> um, I think that it's good for the world as a whole for people to be allowed to find their place, mm. you know, because I think there's yeah. a lot of people out there, like I'm part of a few communities that are um, heavy on deconstruction and a lot of people just end up leaving altogether 
But then there's also, you know, large groups of people who truly want to identify with the Christian label. Um, they feel in their heart that that's what it, you know, what what makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. And don't feel like they have a home. They don't feel like they have a yeah. place to do that because they don't agree with, um, for lack of a better term, a lot of the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so I guess I guess I'm wondering, have you observed a similar opening of of the the Christian world to, and and I guess also like how do you interact with the idea that's very popular in Christianity? Um, to that opening where they say, do not be like the ways of the world and right. all of all of that stuff, like sort of, I guess, what's your experience there? Well, oh, so many experiences. So <laughs> I, I would say to start, I would say um, I, I kind of feel like there's, again, for danger of sounding too mystical or woo-woo here, I, I feel like there is, you know, an awakening worldwide oh, happening. Yeah, I I feel like there's an awakening happening worldwide right now, and I I do believe that I believe in an infinite God. I believe in an eternal God. Um, I believe in El Olam, the Eternal One. Like that, this is this is what I believe, and I believe that that God speaks through all people. I believe that God speaks through every tribe, tongue, and nation, to coin, to use a biblical phrasing. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do feel, specifically in Christianity, there's more openness now to question things than, and this is not actually a new thing. There, you know, I feel, I was raised in the 80s and 90s in kind of a like fire and brimstone style of preaching in that time. Yeah. But if you go back and maybe you have to go back like pre 1600s, but (laughs) if you go, (laughs) yeah, like if you, if you go, if you get into the way back machine, like the whole, the whole Hebrew tradition was all about, was all about wrestling with the text. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about this is our static thing that we have and this is it this is all there is like they were continuing to write they were continuing to refine they were continuing to edit they were continuing to wrestle and that carried through the new testament like most of the books that we base our opinions of yeshua on were written after he was dead mm-hmm. and and so you have to you have to kind of or i i feel that you need to look at that as a sign that they didn't feel like all of a sudden one day they had it all figured out and this <laughs> is it and you know the bible did not fall from the sky you know handwritten by god the <laughs> bible is is a library of books that were wrestled with for centuries for millennia and I'm sorry, I totally forgot what the question is. And I oh, so I think, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think, more than some, yeah, something new is happening. But it's something that is hearkening back to another time. Uh, something that we're fine that we had lost, and we're finding again. I think. That. And, 
Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, I'll let you finish. Yeah. So, and I see it in little things like uh, my 10 year old boy, Bubba, uh, the other day, he asked me, or I guess it was a few weeks ago now, but he asked me, he said, Dad, does hell exist? Why would a place such as hell exist? And I just, oh, it brought me tears because I just felt like I wouldn't have felt safe to ask that question when I was his age, you know? And I looked at him and I was like, if you ever figure that one out, you tell me, kid. <laughs> I have I have lots of thoughts on on the theology there, but that's that's going to bring us way off topic. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for another can, time, we uh, could do a series on that probably. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I really love that you said that because, like, I I also knew about the Hebrew tradition of of wrestling with it, and I think. And, and maybe, you know, like this is probably one of the reasons I don't consider myself Christian is because there would be a lot of pushback from the Christian community about what I'm about to say. But mm. <laughs> I think that like most holy texts or most texts that are said to be holy, the mm. Bible is written in such a way or presented in such a way that you receive different information depending on the context of your life at the time. Yeah. Um, I know that for, for a while there, while I was still sort of finding myself, I was reading um, Psalms or no Proverbs, sorry, over and over again. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noticed is because I would read it every day for the month, you know, and yeah. one of the things that I noticed was that I would read the same verse and I would see something different in it. And I found that to be really, really beautiful and moving. And 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 like I said, I think that that's, that's true of most holy texts. And, and this mm. is the part that I think a lot of Christians would push back on is that I think, I think that God was in the Orient. I think that God, and I know mm. that Orient is not considered to be, so Asia, God was in Asia. I think that God was in um, America. I think that he was everywhere. And I think that he spoke to the people in ways that made sense to them. And the holy texts that we see come from those places or the traditions that come from those places, you know, like um, a lot of native, native, like Aboriginal people, you know, uh, worship as, as a concept, mother nature. And I, I don't know, it's, mm. it's not called that, but, um, you know, and, and I mean, to me, it's like, well, that's, it's very clearly the same God, um, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I find it really refreshing to hear someone talk about the Bible as a library of, of wisdom instead mm. of a book of directions that wouldn't necessarily even apply today because the world is entirely different. Right. And so that's, that's really refreshing to me. Um, although I don't expect you to agree with my, my take on, on holy books and stuff. Don't worry. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's very encouraging to me that for the first time in my life, I can have conversations like these with people who see the world differently without mm. like, especially, like I said, in particular, because a lot of, you know, my early traumas and stuff are church-based and, and stuff. So mm-hmm. in particular people who identify as Christian, it's, you know, you, you said you were brought to tears. Like there are moments when I can't believe it because most of my life, I never would have believed that I could have a genuine conversation that isn't just agreement, you know? Mm. Um, I, I, I'm so happy that the, the that many people in the Christian tradition today are willing to make space 
and hold space for other viewpoints that for the most part don't actually conflict with Christianity Mm. that much. It just conflicts with the words, you Mm. know? And so that's really, really cool to me (laughs) personally. And, and oftentimes, oftentimes a lot of that is just a separation of language. Mm. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to translate something that's written in an ancient, ancient language into a modern day language and, and words change their meaning, you know, you know, a perfect example of that is the word sin. Like if you look at the word sin in the in the Old Testament, sin would have been thought of more as like a symptom of suffering than like you know the root of a problem and and uh it would have thought been thought of more as a as a communal weight we all have to carry together. And you know, fast forward to now where it's mostly thought of as like a personal transgression, right? Like it's <laughs> thought of as like a an an individual evil, like and a reflection you know, of and people's character too, right? And it's so condemning now. Like it's so it's such a we think a, we 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 can have a tendency to you know slip into the mindset of identifying first as being broken or dirty or filthy or fallen or whatever, but like. Any good story starts, or I should say the best stories, (laughs) start in a place of love, start in a place of goodness. And I think so often we have a tendency to start in Genesis chapter three, (laughs) um, as opposed to Genesis chapter one. And what I mean by that is in chapter one of Genesis, the Bible says, that we are created in the image of God, that we're created in the image of love and that God creates everything out of love and that he, or it uses the masculine pronoun, but God created everything (laughs) and saw that it was very good. And what a, what a beautiful place to start as opposed to starting from a place of identifying as a sinner. Mm-hmm. As yeah. we now, as we now define it. So I guess that kind of brings me to um, to the the question that I have next, and that is, you know, um, how how has incorporating these things that were never allowed, um, how has that shaped your faith? How has the ability to, you know, like, I mean, when I was I was reading earlier, I was researching about uh, about the concept of Christian meditation and. Mm. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is the idea that God dwells within us, you know, Mm. and and I think that that's a popular idea amongst pretty much any religion that believes, like any theistic religion, is that God dwells within us. And I think that that's been often lost. Mm. Um, And you were talking about, you know, uh, hearkening, you know, uh, praying to listen. And and I would ask, like, how, how has the process of understanding your like like gosh this is such a hard question to phrase um understanding your uh relationship to god as being one within you and and sort Mm. of being not necessarily one with god in the sense that you are a god 
but one with God in the sense that 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 is how he interacts with with us in the world. How has that sort of shaped things for you? And and uh, like, what's what would you say is the the most significant change you've had from that? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it creates a space to grow. I I believe it creates a space to ask questions, questions that I you know as I alluded to before I didn't feel safe to ask before. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I just, you know, more than anything, I ju- I feel I feel more loved than I did in my in kind of my previous uh, form of faith, as I would as I would call it, or term it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, so- and oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was yeah, and it's yeah, it's given me space to also like reflect on how I'm raising my children and you know to me it's really really important that my children are raised in a healthy loving environment and that they're not judged if they have questions hard questions you know if they have doubt I I don't believe that the opposite of faith is doubt In fact, I would say if there's an opposite to faith, it's probably certitude. Oh, love that. Certitude meaning like um, being certain of things. Being absolutely 100% certain of things. Yeah, holding on tightly to, you know, I mean, I I apologize to your audience if I'm bringing up the Bible too much, but it's like kind of where I was raised. But, um, and it's, and it, and it is, I still believe a beautiful. Well, it's very um, relevant to your story. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and in in the bible you know we're we're taught to have a renewal of the mind we're taught to you know we're taught in you know if you want to put it in different terms we're taught to have a transformation of consciousness mm-hmm. right we are taught to have an awakening that is that's invited and oftentimes when you start questioning things and probably probably in any religion but you know in my experience in christianity in the christianity that i was kind of raised in um those sorts of questions were not welcome those mm-hmm. sorts of questions were viewed as dangerous and i believe that if you're truly after the divine if you truly want to know god and you don't care where you find god then you will ask all the questions Mm-hmm. See, and I love that. And, and I know that, um, that, you know, I generally don't like, I don't allow people trying to convert people on my show. Otherwise, mm-hmm. though, like if it's relevant to someone's story or life, that's, that's not a problem. Um, so, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess, so the reason that that question was related to what you had previously said, at least from my experience, is one of the big shifts for me when I stopped trying to define God as I had forever and, you know, um, changed the words I used and all that stuff and, mm-hmm. and sort of viewed God as, you know, dwelling within me or, or a part of me or whatever, however you want to phrase it, um, mm-hmm. was that letting go of sinner as an identity, right. letting go yeah. of the idea that that is what I am first and mm-hmm. foremost. And, and so you had just been talking about that and, and for me, 
that was a huge thing is that in the sense that I'm fallible, sure. But like, that's, that's not the number one trait about me, mm. you know? And, and I think, yeah. um, I, I also, you know, think that it's, it's a disservice to ourselves to think of ourselves as, as evil. And I think that it brings a lot of yeah. uh, unnecessary suffering. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, if you follow that through to its end, it teaches us how to love ourselves. And, you know, one of the, one of the most famous things Yeshua ever said was to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you first need to get to a point where you love yourself. And I think that's implied in Yeshua's words. And I think that so much of our culture, so much of where we have come from has been, you know, such a culture of shame and condemnation that we've forgotten how to love ourselves. And we, if if we're going to love our neighbors, we need to get to a place where we first love ourselves. We need to get to a place where we first see ourselves as made in the image of love, as made in the image of the divine. And I, uh, like you said, acknowledging, okay. sorry, sorry. Yeah, and as you said, like acknowledging that, that the divine is within us. Like, you know, I believe my personal theology of God is that God is, is everywhere. I do believe in a transcendent God and I believe in an imminent God. I believe in a God that is everywhere in everything. I believe that God is in me. I believe that God is in you. And for me, one of the whole purposes of meditation is, well, if not the whole purpose of meditation is getting closer to that, mm -hmm. you know? So I have one final question and it might be a doozy. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then we'll move on to telling people where they can find you and then, uh, and then the game, which you did agree to, right? Yeah, I did. I totally okay. forgot about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, the, uh, the question that I have is one of the major pushbacks against, I would say the concept of God in general or the concept of the universe or, and, and regardless if it's Christian based or otherwise, but especially the concept of a loving God is the terrible things that happen, you know, mm. um, and, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. and, and oftentimes, not always that I've been able to see, but oftentimes, you know, there will be some nugget of good that nobody wants to acknowledge because, you know, it feels like we're condoning things and stuff like that. But mm. I guess my question is, how do you reconcile being an aware adult in 2021 <clears throat> seeing the things that are going on in the world with that concept of a loving God. And, and I'm just curious, there's not really a right answer. I'm just curious how you reconcile that. So that's one that I wrestle with a lot, um, past, present, and likely future. <laughs> I would say that I... I, and I don't have this pinned down. This is not like... That's fair. It's a process. Yeah. So it definitely is a process. But I, my kind of view of things at the current moment is that there is a huge difference between the term all-powerful and all-controlling. 
And so often we think of God as being all-powerful. And so often we conflate that with being all-controlling. And I don't believe that God is all-controlling. And and I believe that first and foremost, God, as I see God, is a God that weeps with us, is a God that comes down into our suffering and participates in it with us. I think of a God who is okay with being broken. Well, fuck. (laughs) That made me start to tear up. (laughs) Um, That was beautiful. And and I really loved that. Thank you so much. And I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to swear. It was just overwhelming. Um, (laughs) uh, So can you tell people where they can find Hearkening Deer and, and, and sort of get to know more about your understanding of God and and also, you know, find meditations that that fit for them. Yeah, okay. So Harkening Deer is on um, Instagram and Twitter at Harkening Deer. Nice. Um, on Facebook as Harkening Deer. Um, yeah, basically anywhere is is if you search Harkening Deer, you'll find <laughs> Harkening Deer. Like, and it's yeah. a podcast. And so anywhere so the, podcasts are found. First and foremost, it's a podcast. Yeah, anywhere podcasts can be found. We also have other content and resources that fund the podcast because the podcast is free. So, um, yeah, and all of, all of that can be found at hearkeningdeer.square.site, which is hard to remember, so maybe it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> it will. It will absolutely be in the show notes. Um, perfect. Okay, and so are you ready to guess some Gen Z slang? Oh, boy. Gen Z. Oh, no. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I figured it would be a doozy. <laughs> Sure, let's okay. try it. So, what does you, this is because I'm old, right? Oh, it's okay. I'm I old was, too. <laughs> I was I was born in the 1900s. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's weird Funny, to think that it some sounds so old. Adults weren't. That's so weird yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. I was born in the 80s. You know? I, I think of I think of times when like we're all going to be telling our grandchildren at some point about the pandemic of the 20s. <laughs> like that's wild that's wild to me like anyway yeah oh it really is weird to me too um oh okay i can't think about that that's gonna, that's gonna yeah. make me like go all you know yeah okay so what does bet mean bet oh yeah. well i know what it means to me <laughs> to <laughs> wager money on something i don't know it's would... a it's a term of approval like oh, hey are we still okay. going to the movies tonight Bet that's that's okay. how it would be used. Yeah, hmm. um, <laughs> I I really love Gen Gen C's thing. Um, yeah. What does bop mean? Bop. Hmm. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, dance. Close. It uh, means a really good song or beat. So you'd say like oh, this song's okay. a bop. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how you. I'm teaching you to be super cool. Right. So, um, what does cap or no cap mean? Cap or no cap? Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't have to do with a hat, then <laughs> <laughs> any well, guesses? I, well, my brain is only going to biblical terms for that <laughs> presently. So, <laughs> it means lie or not lie. Oh, so if okay. I were like, she's really cool, no cap. That would mean yeah, no I'm not lie. even lying yeah. to you, man. Yeah. Um, 
See how, so, yeah, see how hip Yeshua, I am. <laughs> Yeshua would have used that one a lot. He would just been like, no cap. I'll tell you what, guys, no cap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Um, oh, this one you probably know. You probably know because I know that at least at one point in your life, you hung out with punks. Um, mm. Catch hands. Catch hands. Moshing? Skanking? I don't know. You, no, you got it's me. Fighting. Fighting. Oh, okay. <laughs> catch hands. Um, okay, drag. Um, dressing in women's clothes? <laughs> uh, no, it means to like uh, insult someone. Like like the, the, the way I've seen it most is like OP got dragged. So if if someone says something ridiculous and then like everybody like pushes back, sort of. Hmm. Sort of like burned, but it's more like a, well, you know what? I'll just go to the actual definition here. To criticize or make fun of something. Many people equate dragging to roasting someone. Okay. 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 I should have just not gone with my, I was way too confident and scrolled right past the <laughs> definition. I was like, I know this one. Um, okay. So I'm going to do two more and the are going to be fairly, one of them is going to be fairly easy. So the last oh, one will be easy. Don't say that. <laughs> Um, what does it mean to say hits different? Unique. Very close. Yes. Yes, that's pretty much right. It's uh, something that stands out from the rest. So if I was like, my mom's cooking just hits different, man. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, th so that was good. And then the last one is super easy because everybody of every age uses it. And there's no way you haven't heard it. And I'm maybe priming you to embarrass yourself. And I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think you'll know this. Is what does ghosting mean? Oh, ghosting means to vanish. Yeah, yeah, okay. In my, in my understanding of it. <laughs> yeah, it just means to, to just suddenly stop talking to someone and stop all right. contact. Um, yeah. So you did fantastic. <laughs> no, uh, I did not. I got one sort of right. <laughs> we got, you got two. You got two right. Okay. Okay. Out of a number that I didn't Out of a number. To. <laughs> Don't worry. When I do the, uh, the Conquest of Fun, it'll be... It'll be much more organized than this. Um, thank you so much, Sean. Is there anything you want to add before I say goodbye to the audience? No, I I don't think so. Other than um, I promise I'm not a heretic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think you're a heretic. I think that you are a reasonable man who uh, who does a really good job exploring things instead of just trying to to be as he's told to be um, mm. by by other people. So I think that's fantastic. And I appreciate your your input so much. And I'm actually really excited to release this episode. Um, so to my audience, oh, thank you, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> and to my audience, I love you. Bye.